Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome back to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. I hope you are well, hope you're feeling good this week, hope you had a good last week, hope you had a good weekend, hope everything has been good. If not, that's okay too. Life isn't always a peaches and jelly tots. That's an expression I just made up. <laughs> anyway, I really hope that you're well. I had a pretty good week. We went to Cork over the weekend with the kids and um, we'd never done that before. We'd never gone to a hotel, but I was invited to go and stay in the Kingsley Hotel. They've done an amazing job on their spa. So I went to check that out. It's gorgeous. Um, and, and I think like the hotel the whole hotel is lovely and the staff are just so nice it, like I couldn't get over how well the kids were treated because that can't always be said for every place like sometimes people are kind of hostile to kids but that wasn't the case at all but at the same time it wasn't like a kid hotel if you know what I mean like you could definitely go with a group of friends or like with your partner or you know whatever your situation is and um, I would love to go back but it was a good test run for us to see whether that kind of weekend away is something that we could do as a family and it turns out it is and this is all part of coming out of that zero to three-year-old tunnel um although three is pretty look it's all tough but you know what I mean you can kind of do more stuff as they get a bit older and um, so that was really good to see and thank you so much to the Kingsley for having us and um, other than that I've just been working hard uh, working hard at the podcast working hard at other bits trying to keep this show on the road you know but I don't want to babble on too much because we've got a lot in the show today our interview this week is with Roisin Murphy the one and only I was delighted to have a chance to talk to her ahead of her performance headlining excuse me at Body and Soul this summer Um, we talked about fashion we talked about kind of having a reputation as a, a bit of a scary person and um, which she kind of didn't agree with but then kind of did agree with it's interesting to hear her take on it and um, later on Emer McLeisett is joining us this week to chat through the week's entertainment story so there's a lot to do so we better just get into it we will start with the news as we always do with Aoife Moore political correspondent at the Irish Examiner okay Aoife what a big week it has been for news um, and let's start with the National Maternity Hospital we talked about this last week obviously and since then there has been 
so much conversation about it and in fact there will undoubtedly be more developments in conversation between mm. this conversation <laughs> and when the podcast actually goes out but nothing has really changed has it no nothing has really changed so the arguments remain the same there was a four hour health committee yesterday um to talk about this so for those not informed, there is an ongoing argument about the National Maternity Hospital. Um, no one is in any disagreement that we need a new National Maternity Hospital. You know, mm. the facilities aren't good enough. And this is argument has been going on for about 15 years. The opposition, at, on a point of principle, do not want the National Maternity Hospital leased to be paid to a company called St Vincent's Holdings, which was where all the shares from the Sisters of Charity, the Religious Order, sent all their shares now the government are saying we will pay 10 euro a year for 300 years for at least what they call ownership effective ownership effective mm-hmm. state ownership whatever way you slice it effective state ownership is not ownership right so what the opposition are saying is even though it will delay the project further it could be 10 years they think that that is a worthwhile thing to do so that there is absolutely no link whatsoever to St. Vincent's Holdings or any kind of religious order. Because no matter how tenuous the link is, they still think on a point of principle, we should not be doing it. They want it state-owned on state land. Now, at the end of the committee yesterday, members of the health committee asked the government to pause again. So we were in the middle of a two-week pause. They said that they want to bring more people. There is another for our health committee today, this is on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So there's another health committee on today where they have solicitors to talk about lease agreements. This is all getting very complicated. Mm. The health committee want another pause because they want to speak to more people. They did not feel that their concerns about the phrase clinically appropriate procedures had been remedied. The government, it does not look like, are going to accede to this. They are not going to pause any further. And it looks very likely we have on the examiner today that the government are going to press ahead. We will be signing the lease. We will get the lease for 300 years. And they're saying we could we will pay 10 euro a year and it's effective state ownership. They say that the, the religious order has no control whatsoever and that it will perform all the procedures that it is expected to um, perform. The opposition are not happy with this. That mm. is the best way I can distill this argument of the last two weeks and last 10 years. It's it's really tricky because there's a lot of emotions mm-hmm. on both sides of this argument mm-hmm. because there are people who are on the side of we need to press ahead with this mm-hmm. who are coming from a very good place. Of course. And it's coming from a place of desperation for an improvement of, of women's health, of the facilities that are available mm-hmm. to women, of the experience that women have of maternity services. And, and, and it has to be said, the large scope of other services that have nothing to do with maternity, um, mm-hmm. as it turns out, that happen in a, in a national maternity hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they feel a sense of urgency for for things to be improved and that's mm-hmm. absolutely fair enough and then there are of course people who feel like you know they just don't feel safe and happy and they don't feel yeah. trusting of this of this situation um, and and you know there is no kind of I don't think there's any bad perspective on this I think it's extremely complicated and in the context of our complicated history it's totally understandable that yeah. people feel very strongly I think what it all boils down to, to me is the opposition and the and the voices against it are against it very much in the first instance on a point of principle. Yes. And the government are saying the point of principle doesn't apply because we will own it and we need the hospital. Yeah. I did see that Stephen Donnelly acknowledged that people's concerns were kind of 
you know, fair this week, which seems to be a bit of a change. I would also say that the government has gone on a bit of a journey with their messaging because the last week that we have heard, like they were using words like conspiracy and misinformation, which absolutely is not helpful, especially when you come to things like women's health in the aftermath of pandemic, when we saw how dangerous misinformation could be. People were not spreading misinformation. I think there is very justified arguments on both sides. And I think the government shot themselves in the foot with that line of misinformation because it really got people's backs up. Yeah. And when you're trying to get people on side on a very emotional issue, I wouldn't accuse them of being too stupid to, to not aff- accuse them, but effectively accuse them of being too stupid to understand. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I think that word misinformation really upset people, especially when you're talking about people who are passionate about this because they come from personal experience or family experience of, you know, really damaging and traumatic experiences at the hands of people like the Sisters of Charity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who yes, the argument is of course that they're not involved at all anymore. Mm-hmm. But their shadow is cast yeah. over this and there's no question of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think, you know, when you're talking about people who are still dealing with the trauma and the aftermath of the kinds of things that happened in Ireland not even 40 years well, ago. in the same week as this, in the same day as the health committee yeah. uh, debate, Roger Gorman was in the Shannon apologising for illegal adoptions. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and as I mentioned last week, you know, you're talking about it's very significant unpaid debts when it comes to redress mm-hmm. and you know to to label all of those feelings and upset as you know falling for misinformation mm-hmm. I just don't think that's ever going to go down well so yes. yes as you say they've changed their tone yes bad messaging and I have to say Stephen Donnelly the health minister was very conciliatory in the committee yesterday you know he tried to acknowledge the concerns, um, there was quite a bit of debate between himself, Roisin Shortall and Breed Smith, mm. which was quite entertaining. Um, but he did very much acknowledge, better than some of the other TDs who were on the committee, he did very much acknowledge that there was concerns, but he did do a lot to try and allay them. But I just think, and the Taoiseach made this point, I don't think he realised the point he was making, but the Taoiseach was saying, you know, there's some people who are never going to be satisfied. Yeah. Which is exactly right. Yeah. Because the principle is that they don't want yeah. anything to do with St. Vincent's Holdings. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway, currently it's looking like it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, and, you know, if that changes between now and tomorrow, I'll be furious. Um, okay. <laughs> let's move on. Um, let's talk about what's the latest in Ukraine. One thing I did not have on my bingo card for this week's news was Bono and The Edge performing in a bunker in Ukraine. <sighs> Aoife. I'm sorry. Like, I'm struggling. I mean, okay, I'll do the news part. Yeah, Bono and the Edge. <laughs> Bono and the Edge performed in a bomb shelter in Kiev. They said there was nowhere else in the world, you know, that they would rather be. And they were so proud of the people of Ukraine. And yeah, it was lovely. Anyway, so Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't have done this on She's that, saying so much <laughs> without saying anything. Go on. Ukraine has stopped the flow of Russian natural gas through one of the hubs that like feed European homes and industry. So the oil and gas thing is going to continue to be a big thing in Ukraine because obviously they were very reliant and we are still paying Russia for this war in Europe because we have, well, not we personally, but Europe has to pay Putin for oil and gas. So Ukraine has cut their, uh, one of their key flows off um, so this is another thing that they don't need, less reliant on Russia. Now, on the other side of it, Russia has taken another southern region uh, and annexed it of Ukraine. There's been huge 
shelling going on um now he seems very concentrated on the donbass region and we talked about, about that mm. before on the country's southeast and now they're calling it a proper region of russia so they seem very confident it's theirs now they've installed russian uh authorities they've taken over and this place now borders crimea which mm. they had already taken and mm. i would say if anyone who wasn't paying attention to ukraine and russia before this crimea was part of ukraine Russia took that a number of years ago and the EU and the West did nothing. Mm. And that is why Putin has felt more emboldened now yeah. to do this invasion. So there, it's been going on. Obviously, the war has been going on for 11 weeks and it it isn't showing any sign of letting up. I was watching the news yesterday and American intelligence sources have said that from their information, Putin is planning for a very long war. Mm. You need to remember the size of Russia, um, the military might of Russia. They have an endless supply of soldiers. I know. There are so many young men who will die in this war, both in Ukraine and Russia, because of Putin. And he seems totally emboldened. You know, we had that very strange Victory Day parade this week. So Victory Day is a thing that Russia always celebrated. It was Mm. when they... um, won against the Nazis. They also backed the Nazis at the start, but they don't talk about that. And... They have this Victory Day parade. He never mentioned Ukraine by name during his Victory Day speech in the Red Square, but it was very much about, you know, the might of Russia and everything that they're doing. So he feels totally emboldened. It has taken him much, much longer. We're 11 weeks in. This isn't going away anytime soon. Oh, God, your heart would just break yeah. for the people of Ukraine. And, uh, like, all the needless death. Like, so much death for no reason. No reason. We will look back on this. It kind of reminds me of um, when I was in primary school, the war in Kosovo. Yeah. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Just, like, needless death. And it was obviously very, very different. I'm not um, yeah. comparing the two. But, yeah, just needless death. And a lot of... It's always civilians that pay the yeah. highest price. Um, now, staying, I suppose, with conflict, uh, we need to talk about the death of Shireen Abu Akhla. Mm-hmm. This is incredibly depressing and obviously something I hold very close to my heart. Um, Shireen was, uh, I was reading a lot about her yesterday, a 51-year-old journalist, a Palestinian-American journalist. She was, um, the only other person I can describe her, uh, compare it is, like for Northerners, Donna Trainer, for um, Southerners, Marion Finucane. Mm. She was in your house every night on the TV doing the news. Um, completely very, very brave journalist, very uh, conscientious journalist had been on Al Jazeera for a very long time. She prided herself on covering both sides of the Israel-Palestine conflict and she was shot in the face and killed yesterday. She, according to journalists on the scene, she was wearing a press vest and a press helmet, very clearly marked. She was covering an Israeli raid in Jenin in a refugee camp. From the footage that I saw, She was shot while standing next to another female journalist. And when she went down, the shooting repeated. Now, the Israeli ministry said that they were aiming for Palestinian gunmen and she was caught in the crossfire. Journalists who were witnesses who were there at the time said there was no Palestinian gunmen there whatsoever. And a very telling statement came out from an Israeli minister yesterday. He said that the journalists were armed with cameras. Hmm incredibly telling um so obviously this is truly devastating um people all over the world have paid their respects to her um just saying it was like such a loss to journalism and her family 
Um, Tom Nides, the US ambassador to Israel, said he was sad to learn about it and they would have a thorough investigation into the circumstances of her death because, as well, she is an American citizen yeah. as well. And what is very depressing to me that if she wasn't an American citizen and she was a Palestinian journalist, she this very much could end up like the rest of the Palestinian journalists who have died in the last couple of years, in the last 10 years, covering this conflict and very little has ever done about it. Absolutely awful. May she rest in peace and power. Um, now, going up to your neck of the woods. Here we go. <laughs> what is going on with the Northern Ireland Protocol? There's been so much conversation about this, Boris Johnson's been banging on about it. Other people mm-hmm. have been banging on about it. Everybody's upset about it. This is, of course, linked to Brexit. Yeah, I would point out not everybody's upset about it. Um, so... Last Friday, yeah. there was an election. <laughs> there was an election in Northern Ireland. So it was a historic election. What we saw was that Sinn Féin are now the largest party in Northern Ireland. Interestingly, did not gain one seat. They have kept the same amount of seats, but they have consolidated their vote. So as much as obviously Sinn Féin have gotten more popular, it is not through their popularity that they have become the biggest party. It is because the unionism and the DUP especially are in free fall. So the right. DUP lost seven seats. Okay. And... The middle of the road, non-sectarian, non-aligned, centrist party in the Alliance party gained a lot of seats. Mm. So they more than doubled their seats. So they are the third largest party. Trying to boil this down is an easy way to say this, but what is happening is that people in Northern Ireland who traditionally would have been unionist DUP voters from unionist and loyalist communities have moved away from that type of politics. Mm. They've moved away from, you know, the linked to the union and all that sort of stuff, the more right-wing side of unionism, and they have slid very much to the centre, more progressive types of parties. So Alliance had a really great day out. Uh, A lot of women elected. We've elected the youngest assembly we've ever elected. We've also elected the most women we've ever elected. So all good things. Um, It came at a cost for other small parties. So Alliance did really well, but the Green Party were completely wiped out. The SDLP and other nationalist party who used to be the biggest nationalist party have also declined in their vote now a lot of people believe it's due to the alliance you know that alliance um did well and the smaller parties did more poorly as a result as a result so the dup tried to base their campaign on the protocol so the northern Ireland protocol was basically a backstop agreement put in after brexit to ensure that there would be no hard border on the island of ireland Mm -hmm. unionists now believe that because we have uh, they say put a border down the Irish Sea so goods are checked in England before they get to the north because if they come to the Republic they can't be checked at the border this really upsets unionists they don't like anything that would come between them and the UK, British yeah. mainland because that's their identity they yeah. are British people so yeah. they don't want that now the protocol we didn't get a vote on it anyway in Northern Ireland but yeah. if we did Every party, nearly every party in the North would vote for the protocol. If you speak to business leaders and chambers of commerce, they say it's a bit more paperwork, but it's a good deal for Northern Ireland. We've become a lot more attractive for foreign direct investment yeah. because of our link both to the UK yeah. and, and the Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. But on a, it is a, on a principled note, the DUP, the UUP and the TUV, which are all unionist parties, have real That's issues. That's a lot of acronyms. It is. <laughs> they, uh, they're all unionist parties, but they all have issues with the protocol. Now, the UUP are willing to go back to Stormont. They said the protocol issues are not something worth, to, you know, disbanding the executive. The TUV will not go back into the executive. Not that they would be invited because they don't have enough seats. But the DUP, we need the DUP to go back to Stormont so we can ha- we can bring Stormont back together. 
we need them to nominate a deputy first minister. They have said that they will not do that until the protocol is sorted. I cannot underline enough. The protocol is an international agreement that Boris Johnson negotiated and signed himself. Right. And now he wants to tear it apart. And in the last couple of days, we have heard from Liz Truss, the foreign secretary in Britain, saying if it's not sorted, they're just basically going to tear up the agreement, that they're not going to do this anymore. Simon Coveney, our foreign affairs minister, was out yesterday and I have never heard, haven't hired comments like this in quite a long time. He said the notion of partnership between Britain and Ireland was completely absent. He said that they weren't really acting like good neighbours and that, you know, they're now threatening to do away with an international sounds agreement. sounds like um, Hugh Grant in love, actually, when he does the speech about... <gasps> yeah. Yes, after the sexual Billy harasser Bob president. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Just saying. Poor Martine. Anyway... Such, <laughs> such a, a wealth of political knowledge I have to refer to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's long story short. But what does sorted mean? Like, until they, it's sorted, until it's gone? They don't want checks. But that's... They don't want checks between England and Northern Ireland. Yeah. But that can't happen yeah. because the Republic is in the EU. There has to be yeah. some kind of checks. And the Britain, Westminster wanted Brexit. You know, like the England voted, voted for Brexit, Northern Ireland didn't. So Ugh, I can't believe we still have to talk about this. Um, okay, well, let's move on. Very quickly, I just want to acknowledge that Ronan Glynn resigned, obviously, Deputy he Chief did. Medical Officer. And I have to say, I'm delighted for him. I think between him and Dr. Tony Hohan, I think both of them could do a quiet life. Now, I maybe I'm just not in the loop enough, but I really didn't expect this at all. Yeah. So it was assumed that Deputy Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ronan Glenn would fill in um, for Dr. Tony Hohan, but he noted this week that he was going to resign and he is gone from the end of the month, yeah. the 31st of May. He has gotten a new, um, very important job in EY in their health policy team. And it has caused a wee bit of concern because we now are down a CMO and a deputy CMO. Yeah, not great. I would say this is probably happening the world over. I think chief medical officers who have worked through the pandemic yeah. could are probably due a break. A hundred percent. And like, you know, I interviewed Ronan Glynn during a it all and he was very clear about the fact that he did not want to be in front of tv cameras and talking to journalists like that was not the role that he wanted he didn't want to be recognized in Mm -hmm. the supermarket like he wasn't annoyed about it but he was like i can't wait to go back to a life where that's you know not a thing yeah Um, especially when you talk to him he's a very kind of quiet smoking kind of fella and you have to remember these people are just doctors who became then civil servants exactly and he's also he's got two small kids Mm -hmm. like i'm sure his wife is like (laughs) come on do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they've ever, like, they must have had a holiday. Because no, at least, I, even in lockdown, we could have went to, like, West Cork or exactly. something. But I don't think they were allowed to do anything. I know. So I heard he's taking the summer off. And I good. have to say, good enough for him. And now, the HSE needs to, there's a lot of lost lost people there. So clearly, they've got a bit of work to do. Mm-hmm. Are the, is is it Deputy CMO, is that HSE? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's Department of Health, yeah. So yeah, Department of Health, HSE, two different organisations. So uh, yeah, so anyone's looking for jobs, there there they are. (laughs) Two very well-paid jobs. Even more, thank you so much. Now, there is no denying that Roisin Murphy is an absolute icon. She has made some incredible music. She is such an amazing live performer. She has the best style possibly, in my opinion, of any woman in Ireland ever. 
Um, and um, I was delighted to get the opportunity to chat to her. She is headlining Body and Soul Festival this year, a gorgeous festival. Um, I hope I'm hoping I can make it. And so I had the opportunity to chat with her and ask her about that style, ask her about Body and Soul, and ask her about her reputation for being a bit scary. Have a listen to this. Emma, where are you at the moment? Backstage in Villainous. In, in a, very good. And how have you been finding being back on tour? Oh, it's wonderful. Such a good crack. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I was at the Dublin show and um, the energy was off the charts. It felt magical. Oh, thank you, darling. Well, that was just a really we hadn't. Yes, that was like a rehearsal gig for us. So right. <laughs> getting smoother and smoother every night that we do it. Um, mm. But yeah, it's really good. I'm enjoying it. Do you think the crowds have changed post-pandemic? My crowds were sort of changing and evolving all the time anyway. Yeah. Um, I think we've got to a point now where my crowds are as much a thing as I am, <laughs> you know, and there's there's a fair amount of like Rocky Horror Show type vibes. People are thinking about it for five days before they come and what they're going to wear and, you yeah. know, and how, how much screaming they're going to do and all that. So it's just, it's turned into... Slowly but surely, over all the years, it's like a, this big mad party now, one of my gigs. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely feels like that. Like, I think it's it's a very special thing that you've cultivated with the people who love you. Um, you know, the people who, nobody's casual about Roisin Murphy. Like, people have very no. intense feelings about you. What's it like <laughs> to be on the receiving end of that? Well, you say that, but I haven't got super intense, awful fans that sort of suck the life out of me or anything like that which I think is possible yeah but I seem to have very nice fans that really appreciate what I do really appreciate each other stay in contact with each other a mm. lot of the fans knowing mm. each other and so on yeah and um, yeah it's just a nice kind of club yeah it's 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 a very special thing I think and I've noticed that that you have a really big uh following in the LGBTQ plus community um yes that community seems to really welcome you with open arms what do you think it is about you that they love so much uh well I, I I'm an exhibitionist I suppose you know that's where the drag queen element connects um and yeah it's uh always been in me from the very beginning somebody said to me few years ago oh you are a drag queen and I was a little bit offended but when it sunk in I realized actually yes that's the truth and I shouldn't be offended it's, I should be glad yeah and delighted and um yeah I've been doing it since I was a kid dressing up and so there's a connection there and then I think I don't really project a sort of well, I mean, I think I don't know what I'm projecting, but I know what I feel. And I don't feel like a gender when I'm performing. Mm. Now, I'm not saying I'm gender neutral or anything. I'm just saying when I'm actually in a flow state mm. or the best of times in my life, I don't feel like a woman or a man, you know. What do you feel and like? Just a person. Yeah. A person in a flow state, you know. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, even when I'm just walking down the road, I feel like a person. I don't feel like I'm walking down the road being a woman or a man. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's just something about that. There is a freedom in me like that, that, that connects there too, you know. Yeah. I, 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 I'm happy to wander between 
archetypes and stuff, you know, so that connects up too, I think. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, in a way, what you're talking about is a freedom um, that that is beautiful to see that you don't f- maybe feel, now I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that you don't me- really feel like you need to be categorised. Well, at the best of times, absolutely. That's kind of what I mean. Like uh, uh, when I feel terrible, I feel like uh, many, I feel like a label, you know, I feel yeah. like a woman, I feel like a singer, I feel like this, my voice hurts, I feel like a singer. Yeah. If my, you know, if if you know in childbirth I feel like a woman yeah Yeah. (laughs) or you know when I've got period pains or whatever yeah then I feel like a woman or if people try to put me in a box I might feel like a a stereotype of something or other Mm. but when I feel free I don't feel like any I just feel like okay here I am I'm present in the now you know yeah um I suppose when we talk about this, it's it's hard to ignore factoring in the fashion because, I mean, the looks that you wore on stage in when I was at the gig in Dublin, like I, I was almost weeping. Like <laughs> you looked so good. You changed several times. Each look was just on point. And, um, you know, I, I it's one of the things that I love to see. You know, we, we all get excited about to see what you're going to wear. And I'd love to hear you talk about your relationship with the clothing or, you know, the looks. How do they come to be? You know, where does it come from in you? Well, as you can imagine, there's a certain amount of love hate, you know, mm. when you're surrounded by piles of fucking shite. <laughs> and <laughs> and you have to work it out and um, and it's continuous as well. So the, 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 I do this myself, this part of it. And if I didn't, I think it wouldn't have maybe the realness to it that it has. Yeah. So I style this myself. I style myself myself, you know, and... Yeah. Um, it's a, yeah, I, I am surrounded by stuff, clothes, bits and bobs. It's a head mind game. Um, and I've sometimes I've done too much. And, no. and it's gotten away, the, it's gotten away the performance. Yeah. Right. And even at the beginning of the tours, it's really hard to just pull it together. Yeah. And, um, you know, the way sort of to make it work in a modular way mm. so you're not leaving the stage all the time. And, yeah. Um, leaving people lang- hanging in the lurch and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a battle. It's like a battle in a way. It's like, you know, it's like seeing me have a fight with clothes. Yeah, I mean, that's a big <laughs> job for you. Like, that's, you know, that's a full-time job, styling a tour like yours or a show like yours. Um, but obviously, it's important to you that you do it yourself. Yeah, I think it is. The The essence of it is important. I mean, I have Simon Phillips, me, big burly roadie man that comes with me everywhere, and mm-hmm. he... Definitely, you know, sweats, cobs, uh, looking for stuff in the dark, you know, that's right. just uh, thrown away. He also works well because if I throw myself into the audience, I know there's a big strong man there waiting to catch me when I'm mm-hmm. sort of regurgitated back. Um, uh, he's about as far off from a fashion person as you could possibly <laughs> humanly guess. Mm. Not that he isn't spectacularly gorgeous, but he just isn't. And... But all I need is, yeah, that's what I need. I need the brawn, you know. Yeah. I've got the brain type thing. Sorry, Simon, you sounded you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, I, like really what you're doing, I mean, you're an artist. I mean, that just goes without saying because obviously you're producing the music, but clearly, you know, the whole thing is is in development in your brain. Um, but I feel like that must be quite... It, 
exhausting in a way like if you're that's a lot of output for you to be kind of in control of all of those different aspects of it do you find it tiring or do you enjoy the touring it is tiring but I enjoy it too much too my my I have a kind of very strong um what's it called I've forgotten the word now stamina yeah very I've got a lot of mental stamina um, and music will carry you a long way you know the way like when you're dancing to your mm. favourite music in the nightclub mm. you don't notice you're doing the exercise no <laughs> it's the best kind <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of my life yeah. I'm just going mad all the time but I don't notice it yeah because it's all stuff I want to do and so when you couldn't do it during the pandemic how did you find that I mean I know you did you, you kind of improvised sure didn't did. you but sure I did yeah. yeah I didn't really stop I just went mad in the house there for a while and the place turned into upside down the children were bemused <laughs> um, and I made all them little videos and that and uh, performances and, and and then I made the the stream the, the live stream yeah. with the band yeah um, and then I made performances in Ibiza and yeah I just I didn't stop like you know and it was it was it was a funny time for a record like um, Roisin Machine to yeah. come out. But like, a, like I always say, people were like in love with music at that point. They were yeah. like, oh, this is all I have, you know. And it sort of forged a really um, tight bond between people who love music and music, mm. you know, and including myself in that too, you know. Yeah. And then I went there, I went into music to get away, yeah. to be a place to go, to be my fun fair, you know, that I couldn't yeah. go to. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I was just thinking the other day about Fiona Apple's last album, which came out obviously during, I think, early in the pandemic. And I listened to that album with such intensity, like the kind that I don't think I've experienced since I was a teenager, you know, mm. um, and I feel like I have a relationship with it that's unique and, and would not have been that way if it wasn't for that time. So I totally get what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I think it's drawn us all closer in to... Certainly, if you were interested in music to start with, mm. it's drawn us further in. I mean, it hasn't left me that, that thing. You know, I, mm. I, I don't feel like I, it couldn't happen again. Yeah, I feel like I learned a le- almost learned a lesson or changed my pattern in a way. Yeah, to to just soak up more and more and more and more music. And yeah. actually, the it couldn't be a better time in the world to be doing that because there is so much good music being made. Yeah. Really, it's like, you know, the 70s again. Yeah. I mean, there's so much cross-pollination going on between European and American music, African music. Yeah. And and it's working. It's not like jarring or anything, this pollination. It's really natural and evolving and studio techniques are you know go looking forward they're looking back as well they're trying to not reach back into the past to see things that were lost to pull them back to get get back to really beautiful sound and Mm. uh, yeah I mean it's it's a good time to be into music yeah I totally agree I totally agree um because just I mean even when I think about the way that I used to listen to music when I was a teenager before we had the internet and mp3s and all the rest mp3s that's actually I sound like I'm a million years old Spotify streaming those kinds of things um you know we just didn't have the access (laughs) I'm very current Roshin I assure you um but yeah we have access to so much more and I suppose what I find is it's making um you know things like festivals which I'm so excited 
excited about getting back into this summer so much more interesting because the music that you're able to access is much more diverse because obviously the appetite is there and so people are being booked accordingly um, yes. I know I'm interested to hear how you're feeling about heading into festival season I know you're headlining body and soul we are super excited about that cautious because you know I don't want to lose the head going to one of these festivals hmm. no body and soul is a fantastic festival and um I tend to, I can, I can get carried away. So I have to be careful going oh, I, the festival circuit. I actually love to hear that though. <laughs> you meet all your old friends and it's just like, yeah. So cautious, cautious, moving forward cautiously. I love to hear that though, because sometimes you hear from people and they're like, oh yeah, I can't really, you know, I'm, I'm straight back to the, to the bus with my green juice. And, you know, people seem to have lost the love for it sometimes. So I love to hear that, that you have to be cautious. That sounds exactly right for me. I want to ask you one more question before I let you go. And I don't know how you're going to feel about this question, but I want to ask you anyway, because I I interviewed you before um, backstage at Electric Picnic in the 2FM Roadcaster when I was working for 2FM. And I remember at that time, and people have been saying it to me this time, the one or two people I mentioned that I was talking to you, Pete, you have this reputation for being scary. Uh, where, like, what's that about? And, and are you aware of it? Or where do you think that comes from? I used to say to me, Dad, like, oh, Dad, you know, I'd be single. And he said, what, what are an old fella on the horizon or whatever? And I go, no, they're all scared of me. And he mm-hmm. goes, heat change, his face would change and everything. You just go, what do you mean they're scared of you? Don't be so silly. That's absolutely wrong. They're not scared of you at all. I said, they are, Dad. He said, no, she said, you're a lovely little girl. Why would they be scared of you? They're not, nobody. He's scared of you. Trust me, Roisin. So I've t- I took that to her heart, basically. I think he's right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's really scared of me, actually. See, they have I've been their thinking. own reasons. Well, <laughs> that's a good point. To be scared of me. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about it um, and trying to figure it out because when I met you, that time I like you were absolutely lovely I think you're lovely you're lovely to chat to um and I was like why why do people have this notion and I think it's because it might be because you're confident Roisin and you kind of hold your space here we go the c word the c word I know but I think people are afraid of confident women I really do I don't I don't see that it's even a question you know it's like you're just confident I don't know I'm not that confident either you know, I'm, I'm human, same as everyone else. No, to say this, that I have spent 30, me and I on 30 years protecting the music, you mm. know, and protecting what I do, protecting myself within mm. it. Subconsciously, not consciously, not running around, thinking, I've got to protect myself and this and that. Mm. That'd be so boring, I wouldn't be a laugh at all. Yeah. But I think subconsciously I have done it, and obviously the evidence is there, I've done that, uh, I haven't really made any terrible records and things like that, no. you know. So speaks for itself that that's what I've had to, maybe that's what I'm projecting when people think I'm being confident. It's mm. not that. It's, it's just like a baby I'm carrying, you yeah. know, and I have to look after it. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Well, Roisin, I can't wait to see a body and soul. I know the country will be out in full force to celebrate with you the freedom and the joy of all being together in a field because it's been far too long. Um, I hope you enjoy all the rest of your gigs on your tour and uh, I'll talk to you then. 
Well, yes. And, and let me just say this about people being scared. Some of them really like it. Like I get some of them saying to me, <laughs> step on me, queen. Step on me. I well believe that. And it's like, well, if you ask me to step on you, <laughs> I will oblige. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Never stop. Okay, Roisin. <laughs> thank you so much. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, it's that time where we talk about the celebs and their antics and what they've been up to. And this week, there is a lot to get through. Who glued their hand to a Starbucks counter? Who's been making some questionable jokes? Who is Chet Hanks? Uh, That and lots more now. Well, this week, making her debut on the podcast. <laughs> is author and writer Emer McLeisett. Is that the right way to is uh, how how do you like to be described, Emer? Um I can't remember the last time I thought about that question. <laughs> okay, well that's let's park it then. I don't want to put you under too much pressure. As a writer. I most yeah. most of my jobs involve writing, so let's yeah. stick with that. Yeah. You're well, you're so good at it. Thank you, Louise. Of course. <laughs> Emer is co-author of the Oh My God, What a Complete Ashling books. And she also writes a weekly column for the Irish Times, which I adore. Um, and I will say, despite the fact that I write weekly column for the Irish Independent, it's fine. We can all be friends. <laughs> we can. I, you, when I worked in radio, it used to be like you couldn't even acknowledge that the other radio stations existed. So ridiculous. Like, it is ridiculous. Can we not all just grow up? Yeah. It's we all Everybody's friends anyway. Yeah, and we all do different things and we have different purposes. Exactly. Anyway, we have got lots to talk about in the world of entertainment this week. And first, what a joy it is what to be in the land joy. of Wagatha. It's 2019 was when we first uh, learned about what was to become the Wagatha Christie. Do you remember where you were? Um, I Yes, I was sitting at my laptop. So it wasn't my phone. It was definitely at my laptop. Yeah. And... 
I think I just saw the Colleen Rooney tweet being retweeted yes. a lot. And then it was, I mean, 20 minutes before the It's Rebecca Vardy's account memes <laughs> sprung into existence. It was such a joyful time. I remember it was the morning. I was sitting in my sitting room. I think I had Ted was a baby. I think I had Ted on my lap and Gordon was going to work. And I was like, <gasps> and Gordon was like, what? And I was like, Duh, look at this. And Gordon was like, I remember Gordon's face. He was just like. Like yeah. a gape. Obviously, this is not a visual medium, but like a truly like silent, like gleeful mouth yeah. open wide, it eyes was sparkling. Gleeful. Yeah. And uh, it was so what happened was Colleen Rooney had basically set up a sting operation to catch out somebody who had been leaking stories about her and her family to primarily, I think, the Sun newspaper. So the sting she set up was that she set up a private Instagram account and she only allowed this is what she says happened. Allegedly, she only allowed one person to follow. And therefore, she knew if the story, she, the, if the untrue story she posted on that private account were pub- published in the paper, that she would know it was this person. And she said this in a tweet. And then she went, dot, dot, dot. It's Rebecca Vardy's account. <laughs> Just the Re- drama. Rebecca Vardy is the wife of uh, Leicester City footballer Jamie Vardy. Yes. So the two are known as wags, wives yes. and girlfriends. Um, hence, hence Wagatha Christie. Wag Christie. I think it was some genius on Twitter that came up with Wagatha Christie. It's so good. So this was back in 2019. Rebecca Vardy is now suing Colleen Rooney for defamation because she says she didn't ever leak stories mm. to anyone. And that this has ruined her reputation, has caused her to endure abuse from the public. And she was pregnant at the time. She was pregnant at the time. And she has said it has caused a lot of stress. Well, it would. Yeah. So they're in court this week. Um, and it has already given us so much gold. I think they only maybe started on Tuesday. And already we've had lots of leak. Well, not leaked. So what happens in these kind of cases is people's WhatsApp records can be asked for and it's called discovery. And can we just, first of all, say, like, I would rather, yeah. I would be like, fine. I would just I accept me it. That's fine. Yeah. I'll pay whatever fine, whatever millions yeah. of euro you want. You are not looking at my WhatsApp messages. Yeah, imagine. Ima- imagine. Just between you and I. The shiver that goes down my spine when I think about our <laughs> WhatsApp messages being read out in court. <laughs> no. But this is obviously all part of it. So I think Rebecca Vardy has been... Uh, on the witness stand, I think now for two days and going into her third. And we've heard so many of the conversations, kind of candid conversations, a lot of them between her and her agent, who is a woman called Caroline Watt. And the um, Colleen Rooney's lawyers are alleging that Rebecca Vardy and Caroline Watt worked together to mm. leak stories. Rebecca Vardy says this never happened. Uh, another absolute gem of information from this case is that Caroline Watts' phone would have been very <laughs> instrumental in um, providing a lot of evidence, Obviously. a lot of WhatsApps, and it uh, has fallen tragically into the North Sea. <laughs> it fell from a boat into the North Sea, I think mere days after it became clear that it would have been needed. Um as evidence in this case. What a, what an, what a cruel act of timing. Uh, exactly. I mean, exactly. <laughs> um, other gems just from this week so far. So in a bid to kind of show that Rebecca Vardy allegedly has form kind of in this kind of mm. area is that she was asked about a story that was printed about Peter Andre back mm. in 2004. And she had spoken to, was it the Daily Mail? I think it was. 
Oh, News of the World, sorry, the News of the World, uh, which I think is no longer with us. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. She had spoken to the News of the World about a sexual encounter she had with Peter Andre. And she, I mean, may I quote her Please. verbatim? Please. Peter's hung like a small chipolata, the smallest trouser equipment I've ever seen. And <laughs> I don't know what a chipolata is, I but think, it's a very evocative word. I think it's it's kind. It, I think it's pretty much just a sausage as we know okay. it, right? But right. A, you know, not a jumbo. No, maybe not a Tesco jumbo. No, maybe, um, you know, maybe maybe a, a I don't Pepper, know, like a pepperoni. I think a little bit, but I mean, poor Peter, but a little bit bigger, maybe than Sorry, a pepperoni. A bit of respect. I think a bit with more girth. <laughs> Right. But quite short, okay. I think. <laughs> but not as girthy as sausages as we know them. Do you know, when I saw this tweet during the week, I, I retweeted it and then I was like, I oh, know that's too mean. And I unretweeted it, but it's been everywhere now. So there's just no point in trying to I mean, beat around Peter the Andre know he was going to be dragged through the mud Poor like this? Peter Andre. Like, Peter Andre. Peter Andre's just going about his life. Like, you know, putting one foot in front of the other yeah. and then all of a sudden his chipolata is at the centre of the yeah. world's most publicised case at the moment. Maybe only second to uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's case, which, by the way, people have been saying, why aren't we talking about it? It's just, it's because it's going on for so long. Yeah. There's no point in talking about it every week. We'll talk about it when it's over. And also it's so dark. Like, you know, I don't know that there's a lot of like joy to be had from it, but, um, but I, we will talk about it when it's over. But anyway, yeah, poor Peter Andre. God love him. Yeah, so Vardy then said she deeply regretted that incident where she talked about Peter Andre. But it doesn't paint her in the best light. And of course, that's what Rooney's lawyers are trying to do. The burden of proof in this case is that um, because Colleen Rooney is being accused of defamation, the burden of proof is on her to prove that the statement she made about Rebecca Vardy is true. But see, the the thing for me from day one was that she didn't talk about Rebecca Vardy. She talked about Rebecca Vardy's account. Yes. So if someone else had access to Rebecca Vardy's account, then Rebecca Vardy doesn't really have a leg to stand on. No, she doesn't. Yeah. So it's a really, there's a lot of nuance in this case. Mm. But there, I mean, there has been so many, there was another um, incident where um, in the WhatsApp messages, it was that Rebecca Vardy and her agent Caroline Watt had discussed Rooney a lot of times um on WhatsApp and one of them was uh, at one point the court heard that Rooney had briefly blocked Vardy from their private Instagram so Watt then sent Rebecca Vardy a text message saying babe has Cleland followed you and Vardy was said oh wow just wow what a C-U-N-T I'm going to message her (laughs) I love it I want to read everyone's WhatsApp messages I know I know and then like it's the there's, I mean, in a court case like this, you have to be careful about what you say, about what you think is true, yeah. what so-and-so has happened. And we're, we've only seen so far as we're talking now, yeah. we've only seen Rebecca Vardy, Rebecca Vardy being yeah. questioned. So we don't know what's coming out on the other side. So oh, I'd say there could be some very exciting stuff yeah, on the I'm way. I'm excited. Me too. I'm and excited. We will continue to talk about this, which I realise kind of goes against what I said about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case, but we can't be talking about it every week. Anyway, <laughs> um, now, next up, a character who some people may be unfamiliar with. The character I'm referring to is Chet Hanks. Born Chet, H-A-N-K-S, currently H-A-N-X. Yeah. He was actually born Chester Hanks. <laughs> oh, and excuse he was me. born Chester Hanks um, to uh, one Mr. Tom Hanks mm-hmm. and one Miss Rita Wilson. Yes. Third son for Hanks, first son for both of them together. Mm-hmm. And what a pride and joy he has become for them. So he kind of hit the headlines 
a couple of years ago on the Golden Globes red carpet because he posted a video of himself on the red carpet. He's an actor as well, so he's had parts in various things. I think most recently Atlanta, Mm -hmm. which is that FX uh, comedy series. It's brilliant. He was on the Golden Globes red carpet and he decided to speak in what's referred to as like Jamaican Patois, which is kind of a way of, it's kind of a dialect, a local dialect. And it's not exclusive to Jamaica. So loads of different places can have their own Patois. But when we talk about it, it's generally understood to be the Jamaican Patois because that's probably the best known one. Yeah. And he had decided to kind of ape it and talk in Patois and post the video and it went viral. Big up. Big up the whole island, massive. It's your boy Chetana coming straight from the Golden Gloves. You watching? Me, see me father Tom Hanks presenting in a watch. Soon forward, come. Big up, tune in. I mean, it's cultural appropriation. He, of the highest order. Of the highest order. He, and he is the whitest privileged boy. He's one of the whitest people I've ever seen. Yeah. And also because Tom Hanks is such. Like, I think Chet Hanks himself has called Tom, like, America's dad. Like, yeah. Tom Hanks, I don't think he's ever put a foot wrong. No. And you're kind of, you know the way when somebody like that and you're like, is it is it coming? Yeah. Is the bad stuff coming? Oh, God, I hope not. I hope not, too. But really, he hasn't ever put a foot wrong. And mm. now his son, Chet Hanks, is kind of doing it for him mm. slightly. The reason he's back in the news this week is because he's done an interview with this comedian, Z-Way, and she has pulled him up. I'm obsessed with Z-Way. Yeah. Are you, I, do you follow Z-Way? I don't, I she, don't. Oh, Emer, she's amazing. She made a name for herself. I think it was YouTube. She started doing videos online anyway. Um, and she would interview people. And, you know, it, it's funny and it's a, she, it's a character, but she's like, you know, making people really uncomfortable on yeah, purpose. Yeah. And often calling out white people and putting white people in difficult situations by asking them questions that kind of lead them down, you know, into a, a cul-de-sac of, of horror. Um, and it's very funny, very subversive. Yeah. She's super smart. Um, so Showtime were like, yes, Z-Way, please come to our channel and make a series where you interview people. And um, yeah, she interviewed Chad Hanks. But I think like he he it does not apologize not even a tiny bit for anything that he's done no and she gives him plenty of opportunity yeah. she's like would you like to apologize for using patois would you like to apologize for cultural appropriation and he's like nah nope. no i wouldn't and she asks him um as well about he had released a song and had talked about what he was coining white boy summer mm-hmm. um which is a take on obviously hot girl summer um and obviously that didn't go down too well either because it's like, do you? She, I think she said to him like, do we really need a white boy summer when the past 400 summers of American <laughs> history have been white boy summer? And I mean, he takes some of it in kind of good humour. Yeah. I guess he knows why he's there. Yeah. I mean, he's not going into it completely blind, but he does seem fairly blinkered in terms of how offensive he's being yeah. or why he's hitting the headlines so much. But he And he also just seems weird. Like he does, yeah. he ends up doing this, like, I'm going to put a clip in. She, he, he makes a reference to himself. He quotes Joker, like Heath Ledger's Joker. And he kind of refers to himself as being like the Joker. And then he does like a minute long series of impressions. impressions. I don't really have any plans. You know what I mean? I'm like the Joker. You're like the Joker. Do I look like a guy with a plan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with it if I got it. <laughs> Batman, you complete me. <laughs> My father was a drinker. 
and a fiend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Heath. Goat. They tried oh to God. kill my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Denzel. Don't impersonate black men. Shout out John David Washington. Do you ever feel like you're desecrating like black people when you do shit like that? Not at all. Not at all. You feel like it's an honor. You're honoring them. No, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I feel like I'm just doing an impression. Just being Chester Marlon Hanks. Live in the flesh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like there's no more red flag than a man who thinks his Joker impression is the best. But also that he feels an affinity with yeah. the, the Joker. Yeah. Like, is yeah. that, that's not great. Yeah. And Z-Way's like, I did not ask for this impression. Yeah. And yet here it is. Yeah. Um, it's really something to behold. As I said, I'll put a clip in here, um, but uh, it might be worth Googling if you're intrigued by Chet Hanks. As Absolutely. I, as I constantly am. <laughs> now, Pete Davidson uh, has been making jokes about Kanye West. Yeah, he has. Um, I think this is an extremely bad idea. Yes, I agree. <laughs> right off the bat, I'm going to say that. So Pete has a new comedy special coming and we've seen a bit of it. Um, it's a part of the Netflix is a, jo- Netflix is a Joke Festival. And he talked about um, Kanye potentially dressing himself up a la Mrs. Doubtfire in an effort to see his kids because of the contentious divorce that's going on between Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Obviously, Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian as we go to press, are a couple. Mm. I'm waiting every second. I'm waiting to hear it's <laughs> over. So, um, and I just think this is a this is a man. So, can, no matter what you think about Kanye West, this is a man who has four children and obviously loves and cares a lot about his four children, and has spoken out about he wants the kids not to be dragged into this Pete Davidson Kim Kardashian circus yeah. that's going on. And I think that's fair enough. Yeah, I think be. Pete Davidson has no skin in this game. Yeah. They, him and Kim have been going out for seven months. Um, we they would be led to believe that Pete has never met the children or hasn't spent much time with them. And yet he apparently has gotten their initials tattooed on his neck. Exactly, yeah. So I just think to be baiting and goading Kanye West like this is just really immature. Yeah, I just think like make jokes. You can. I think he can even make jokes about Kanye if he yeah. wants to. I don't think it's maybe the best idea like if you're trying to be a class act which he's obviously not trying to be but if you were trying to be a class act in this situation you just wouldn't talk about him at all yeah like fine make jokes about Kanye but maybe like I don't think it's appropriate to make jokes about his relationship with his kids no when no one has ever called into question his kind of love or commitment to his children like there's just no need it kind of brings it to a nasty level I think that is unnecessary and it's not even that funny no, like it's not the, funny at all. The payoff, the humor payoff is not nearly enough as what it would need to be for it to be, you know, that level of inappropriate. Yeah. And I think up until I heard about this particular incident, I didn't have that many opinions about what was going on with Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian. Like, I yeah. just am like, oh, whatever. Like, yeah. he has such a track record of getting into these high profile um relationships. We saw him with Ariana Grande. We saw him with Phoebe Denver from Bridgerton. And then they end mm. as soon as they fizzle out. It's like, oh, he's moved on. So I don't know what's going to happen with him and Kim. Maybe they'll be, they'll be together forever. But I just think this is not the right foot yeah. to be getting off on. I agree. Before I let you go, one more thing. Um, an actor from Succession has glued his hand to a Starbucks <laughs> counter in protest. So the actor in question is actually, I think, better known as the old man from Babe. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he's yes. the farmer from Babe. Um, but he plays... Um, 
he plays Uncle Ewan, who's um, cousin Greg's grandfather yeah. in Succession. And he is a massive animal rights activist. And he has protested before. He has um, a lot track record of protesting on behalf of PETA, on behalf of veganism. And he decided he was going to glue his hand to a Starbucks counter in Midtown Manhattan in New York. Mm. Because, and I didn't realize this, Starbucks charge extra in the US for non-dairy milk. So any type of vegan milk, oat milk, any nut milk, soy milk, all of those, they charge an extra. I think it's it's either between 50 and 70 cent. Oh, that's a big difference. Yeah, it's a big difference. So that's Maybe I having... am gluing myself to a counter. Yes, yeah. So um, James Cromwell, the actor, glued himself to the counter just to highlight this. And he did his, I mean, there was no arrests after this. It wasn't too much of a scene and he kind of released himself in the end. So it wasn't, you know, he wasn't dragged downtown to a yeah. cop station with, you know, half a, a piece counter. Of counter yeah, attached exactly. them, yeah. But he has called a lot of attention to this yeah. book. I think in the UK anyway, they stopped this practice a while ago because there was a lot of backlash to it. I'm assuming it's the same here in Ireland. I don't know. I don't drink coffee, so I never go to Starbucks. I think I, I go to Starbucks sometimes, but I do drink normal milk, so I couldn't tell you for sure. But I think most places, it, it, they, it would be hard for them to get away with it because like most coffee shops, there's no no difference in the charge. Yeah, so. And that's part of the kind of criticism against yeah. Starbucks is like other much smaller coffee chains are managing to do this. Aren't, yeah. I mean, I think on a whole, non-dairy milks are more expensive than dairy milk. But if, ha, I would I would say just for anecdotally, the way I see people online and in person ordering coffees and stuff, so many of them are getting oat milk 100%, or yeah. almond milk or whatever. I so, mean, the oat milk flat white is the coffee du jour. Exactly. Um, so I think that if you're going to make such a differentiation in price for something that's such a common thing for people to order. Yeah. It feels wrong. But anyway, the reason we're talking about it is because the babe farmer so, said himself. Fair play, babe farmer. Fair play, babe. I think I'm I'm babe on your farmer. team. Yeah. Imar McLeisa, thank you so much for taking us through the stories this week. We could have gone on. Um, and uh, I hope you'll come back and do it again. I definitely will. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week, my friends. But uh, before I go, I will give you a couple of recommendations. I very rarely get to watch films these days because once by the time I sit down, I'm so tired um, that I, I I can't stay awake for two hours. And every film is like two and a half hours long now, it feels like. And um, certainly, you know, during the day, you know yourself with the kids or whatever, you're busy. However, I had been dying to watch The Worst Person in the World, which is a Norwegian film about a woman, a young woman kind of, I suppose, coming of age seems like a trite expression but like getting to know herself I suppose as she goes through her 20s and um, into her 30s and it I managed to book in some time this week and watch it and it is so good I would highly recommend it um it's Norwegian as I said so obviously it has subtitles which again I found to be great uh, I find it so hard these days to focus on one thing and not pick up my phone or something else but when you're watching something with subtitles obviously you've no choice but to fully engage with it and um, I really enjoyed taking two and a half hours away from all the other things in my brain and just focusing on that um, it's a brilliant film brilliantly written brilliantly performed and um, I really really recommend it now I got it through nefarious internet means so I'm not actually sure where you can find it but I, I have to stop recommending things on this basis 
this. But I'm sure if you were good at good at Googling, you'd be able to find it. As I said, it's called The Worst Person in the World. And um, that's my main recommendation this week. Uh, yeah, so on that note, I will leave you. Thank you so much for being with me again. Honestly, like as I say every week, and I know it sounds cheesy or whatever or like you know I hope it doesn't come across as disingenuous but I genuinely really appreciate the support that you're giving me each and every week it means so much to me to see that so many of you are consistently listening and um, I just hope that I can keep delivering if you fancy it you could leave a review or a rating and obviously do subscribe or follow or whatever is the appropriate move for your podcast platform and I will talk to you next Friday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.